Hello and welcome. My name is Raj Basord and I'm a psychiatrist based in London. And I'm in conversation today with Louise, who is a young mum who had quite a lot of very interesting experiences around the pregnancy and delivery of her first child. So Louise, let's start with the pregnancy because right at the beginning, there's a sense in which the pregnancy already was a bit eventful. Yeah. Um, I was found to have, when I was at university, I was found to have um, endometriosis and was advised to basically have children very quickly. So I was put onto fertility treatment and uh, eventually conceived Joe after several, several miscarriages, but, I, but then had Joe. Um, and the whole pregnancy was just a, just a kind of roller coaster, shall we say? Yeah. Because um, of the miscarriages, which are very traumatic, yeah, and the fact that you were, um, in a way, getting pregnant after that sort of situation is very special. Yeah. It's more stressful. It's more high stakes in a way. Yeah, quite. Um, there was a lot of sort of false starts, things going wrong. I was hospitalised several times, and then when I was twenty-three weeks pregnant, I went into labour. Um, and we got as close as having Joe, the incubator, next to me before suddenly things settled down. And he then uh, stayed put till his due date. So he was one of the few that are actually born on the due date. So that must have been quite scary, that event earlier on, where you thought you were about yeah. to deliver, because you were very, you were on, on the, the cusp, as it exactly, were, of, yes. of viability. Is that right? Yeah. And so there was a discussion, because I think I was 23 plus 5 or something, and... There was a discussion, but because he was a large baby, they decided, yes, they'd go ahead and try. But, um, but luckily, he decided to stay put. So we get to term, and then what happens? Um, I wanted to be induced, um, thinking it would take days, being a first baby. <laughs> sent my husband off to work, sent, you know, told everybody to just carry on for a few days. Um, and I went into labour naturally that morning, thinking I had tummy ache um, and being examined. <laughs> Uh, suddenly the doctor said, actually, no, you're in labour. Um, and that was it, really. Uh, spent the rest of the day being monitored. And then about, must have been about six o'clock in the evening, his heartbeat was up and down. And there was a sudden sense that there were a lot of doctors in the room very quickly. Um, and then within a, just a space of a couple of minutes, basically, I'd signed a form on my chest and they'd dashed me upstairs to deliver Joseph. So... So, yeah, very much a crash C-section. So it was an emergency caesarean section. Mm, yeah. And then what happened? Um, he was delivered. He'd been such a... He was delivered screaming the place down and sounded absolutely fine, brilliant, straight away. That was great. Um, what I remember most, apart from hearing him cry, was that uh, two of the doctors that had looked after me through the pregnancy came in and said they just wanted to get a look at this baby that had caused all this trouble. Um, so that was his start, yeah. <laughs> and what were you feeling at this time? Relief that the baby was born? I was in complete shock, complete shock. It had, I'd gone in that morning expecting to be induced, expecting it to be two or three days and getting my head around it and ended up with a crash C-section, you know, a matter of hours later. Um, I didn't realise it at the time. I thought I was fine, but looking back, I was completely in shock. So before we move on, because things get even more eventful after this moment, um, let's just talk about what your emotional experience had been up until this moment, because really pregnancy had not been a particularly positive experience. No, no. Um, 
yeah, I guess I was pretty anxious, pretty stressed. Uh, and we were, we were quite young, so there were sort of pressures around that. And um, Yeah, it was all a little just up in the air and a bit. And I think I had, again, looking back, I had this kind of magical idea in my head that because it had taken so long to get pregnant, that when the baby was here, everything would just be absolutely brilliant, you know, like a storybook or something. Uh, and obviously that wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the case. What about the emotional support network around you um, at the time? What was that like? Yeah, that wasn't brilliant. Um, my husband was finishing his degree and doing a full-time job. So he was working, you know, extremely long hours. Um, my family were quite a distance away. We'd moved to a new area, so I didn't know anyone. I was younger than most of my friends, um, so none of them had had babies yet. I was the only one with a baby. Um, it was pretty isolated, looking back again, yeah. So what happens next after the baby is delivered? Um, I, uh, this, the recovery was pretty good. The first few weeks are pretty much a blur. Um, he was quite a tricky baby. He had colic. Um, I just remember, you know, typically feeling really tired. I didn't at that point realise that anything was wrong. Um, it was a day when my husband and I took the baby for a walk. It must have been about six weeks after he'd been born. Um, and my husband sort of sat me down on a bench in the park, in the park, and said, uh, "I think I think we need to go and get some help. I don't think you're coping." And I think I was kind of numb. I was not really. I didn't see the problem. I thought I was okay, and yeah. And I think at that point I went. To, I did go to see the GP, and yeah, and that wasn't brilliantly successful. Why not? What happened? <laughs> Um, I wasn't sleeping like at all, even when Joseph slept. I, I was up all night um, and uh, went to the doctors say, in desperation and got told to uh, have a nice warm milky drink and, and a hot bath and go home and, uh, and uh, try, uh, just to try that. Um, and, you know, we tried all of that by that point. Um, and other than that, he just said, look, you're, you've had a baby. This is what it's like. So it, there's a sense in which um, how distressed you were was not being taken seriously. Absolutely, yeah. And Absolutely. did that in a way compound your distress? You'd gone for help. Well, I thought that, I mean, at that particular point in time, I'm not sure if it was stress or if I was slightly delusional, but I was, I was convinced that um, Joseph wasn't going to, that I couldn't look after him, that the kind of responsibility of having him had sort of completely overwhelmed me. Uh, and I remember we had, I got a breathing monitor to put on his cot because I was just convinced that he was going to die while I had him in my care, as it's such. Um, so it wasn't very logical, really, thinking about it. Do you think, looking back, it might have been helpful if your partner had gone with you to the appointment? He did. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he did. <laughs> right. And, um, and still didn't, it still didn't get taken seriously? No, absolutely not, no. Okay. Um, you mentioned being delusional. Could you say a bit about that? that? That thought crossed your mind that you were a bit delusional? I just... Um, he would be literally in the next room in his crib and I would be just convinced that he was going to die, just convinced that he was not going to make it. Um, 
and that I wasn't capable of looking after him. Whereas in reality, I was looking after him. He was always changed. He was always fed. He was played with when I could. Um, but I just had a sort of mental block about the fact that I could not raise this child. So, so what was your plan in your mind at this, at this I moment? I do remember... I hate saying this, but I do remember actually saying, I think we should put him up for adoption, or at least... I think I said as fostering. I don't think I ever said adoption. But I said, I, I remember saying, I can't... I just can't look after him right now. It's not fair to him, and... Luckily, everybody told me no. <laughs> so, um, when you say put him up for adoption, um, could you say a bit more about what happened then in terms of what were you saying to your partner? Well, my partner obviously was completely, completely in bits, worried sick about me, which, again, I didn't realise. I thought I was being pretty rational. To me, it seemed obvious I couldn't cope. And the safety of the baby was paramount, and therefore it was logical to foster this baby for a little while. Um, give me a chance to get better and to get him what he needed. Um, I don't really know what else he was thinking at that time. He was probably just scared, scared to bits, I expect. So what happened next? Um, things came to a head and one night, I can't exactly remember exactly what happened, but one night uh, we had an ambulance come out. I must have been in a state. I, I honestly don't remember that night much. I remember being taken into the back of the ambulance with Joe, and uh, they took me to the mother and baby unit in what used to be Rochford, well, Rochford Hospital in Essex. Um, and again, there basically, you know, Joe was with me, but I was just supported in looking after him and put on medication and and things. So. Did you know you were being taken to a mother and baby unit, or were you quite confused at that moment? I didn't quite, yeah, no, I was confused, I remember now, I just had a moment. I remember them sitting me in an office and asking me what day it was and who was the Prime Minister and, you know, that kind of classic. And me thinking, wow, okay, they think I'm cracking up. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is what they do on the TV when, when it's in a film. Um, but I was, I was completely, like I said, I remember that, I was completely lucid and aware but at the same time, I was completely irrational about looking after this baby. Um, le leading up to this moment, did anything else happen that precipitated the admission? Was there an incident? No. Do you no. think this was the lowest moment for yeah, you? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Can you recall what that felt like? Desperate. Just desperate. I just... I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know how I was going to get out of it, and uh, I was worried sick about the baby still. And I just remember being desperate for someone to help, yeah. Sometimes when people are feeling this low and despairing, they feel like not carrying on, they feel like doing away with themselves. Did mm. that thought cross your mind? Not for me, no. Um, for me, that's... I'd had the baby. I was sticking around, but I just didn't quite know how I was going to get there. No, I never... So in some ways it was odd because I was weirdly logical. Um, but um, no, that didn't, not for me. Did you take any steps, given you were very concerned that the baby wasn't going to make it with you around? Did you mm -hmm. take any steps to follow through on any action plan you'd hatched with this, this, quite, this quite strange thinking? 
You mean? Um, did you actually it, take? Did you ring adoption agencies or? No, um, I, my mum and my partner, as soon as I mentioned it, immediately just said, "No way, absolutely no way." And that may have been actually what precipitated the uh, hospital's involvement, because I think they realised at that point that I was really not doing well. But it seems like when you first went to the doctor, the, the attempt to, uh, first to get help was was rebuffed. Mm -hmm. um, so was it the case that up until the hospital admission, you still weren't getting much medical help? And then all of a sudden, it, it kind of... It kicked in, it, yeah. there, there was a crisis, and you had a massive amount of help in terms yeah. of an intervention, which led to a hospital admission. Is that yeah. is that the pattern? That is. Um, my husband actually complained about the GP, and the head of the practice got back to us. Um, and saw me himself and gave me some sleeping pills. And so I think at that point I was probably flagged up. And then, so hence, yeah, when things got a bit worse again, it was sort of the cavalry came in. But you had to campaign in a way for help. Yeah. Your husband did anyway. Yeah, Neil did, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's interesting, if you were alone without your husband, yeah. what would have happened? Yeah. I met a friend actually at the time who's still a friend now. We met in a postnatal post depression workshop like a few months later. And she was on her own. And I I heard her say some pretty bleak things. She had two children as well. She had the postpartum depression with her second, so she already had a one-year-old, and she was on her own with both of them. So, um, yeah, she had a tough time. So explain what a mother and baby unit is, because it's an unusual idea. Mm. Um, it was basically a little unit, I think there were about four beds, there wasn't many, um, and a nursery attached onto the mental health unit. Um, and I had a room, and then Joe was in a room um, across the hall, uh, which had like a glass thing, so I could see him constantly all the time. And I had a key to the room, and the nurses all had a key to the room, obviously. Um, but they basically focused on, they got me on some stronger meds, um, made me go to sleep each night at eight o'clock, gave me medication, so I slept every night. Um, and the nurses would look after the baby. And during the day, they'd encourage me to go and have bubble baths and sit and play with him. And then, you know, just take some time out reading. I did a lot of reading. Just basically take a step back, I think. Um, and my husband would come in in the evenings and then eventually that progressed to me leaving the unit for little bits of time on my own. And then eventually for day visits home with Joe. So, yeah. You began to feel better when you were in the unit? Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt like I could kind of calm down because they were there and they were supporting me. There was a network around me, I guess. Um, so I knew that if I didn't get up or couldn't get up, somebody would care for him. So I kind of, you know, the stress levels went down dramatically. Did you have any medication at that time? Yes. I was on, uh, I think it was amitriptyline at the time, so I was quite heavily, quite heavily doped up. <laughs> so amitriptyline is, a, is an antidepressant. Mm. Um, why did they choose that one? Do you happen to know? Because it's quite an old antidepressant. No idea. Nothing wrong with that, yeah. but... No, I have no idea. That was just, I think it was probably just the first one they tried. Okay, okay. Do you happen to know what dose you were on? Oh my goodness. No, but it was pretty high. Okay. Um, Did you get any side effects? No, which was unusual. Okay. Together with anitriptyline, but uh, the only thing I do remember is my head would get foggy sometimes. Yeah. But um, they reduced the dosage when that started happening. 
What do you think about the fact that you took an antidepressant? Do you think that was a good idea looking back or yeah. you'd rather you didn't take one? No, absolutely. I think it was a good idea. I think it gave me the headspace to to heal a bit and to see the situation for what it was. Um, do you have any sense of how it worked? Do you have any sense of feeling it kicking in? And I mean, some people describe the effect of an antidepressant as like looking at the world through double glazing in the sense that mm -hmm. stuff happens out there, but it doesn't get to us as much. They, they're, they're slightly more indifferent to events that would have really gotten quite worked up in the past. But that's not a universal description, but it's one description. No, I think I felt more like I just relaxed a bit. I was just less, much less anxious, um, and it just enabled me to take a step back, really, and sort of try and figure out a new way of moving forwards. How long were you in the mother and baby unit for? I was in for a fortnight completely, and then about a month of um, progressively an afternoon out, and then a day out, and then um, an overnight out, and then home with the baby that kind of thing, that progressed for a little while. And I had the option, they held my room as well for about a month afterwards. Um, but I managed to stay at home after that. When you were in the unit, how many other mothers were there? I didn't see a single other one. It was just me at that time. How many beds were in the I unit? I think there were four. Okay. Um, you, and you were the only me. person? Yeah, I had the whole unit to myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did the people who were looking after you comment on the mother and baby unit as a resource? Because there's some controversy about whether they're closing and they're too few yes. beds and so on. The one I was in is closed, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you think about that? I think it's a real shame. Um, I think it made a massive difference to me. And I think if you don't have a support network, then that, that's what it provides. It provides specialised sort of full-on care for... And, and it worked like a charm for me. Like I said, two weeks of intensive and then outpatient support, and I was okay. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of money as compared to what it would have been if I'd gone on into a full nervous breakdown, I guess, and somebody would have had to care for the child and, you know, the whole thing. So I think it's really bad that they're being, you know, closed down. The, the special thing about mother and baby units is the baby is with you. Yes. Um, what do you think about that as well? How important yeah. is that? In your I think view? that's really important, especially um, in my own experience, because I had this feeling that I couldn't look after him. You know, they, the, the time spent being supported in looking after him taught me that I was actually doing okay. Um, they weren't doing anything that I wasn't doing already. And, uh, and there was just reassurance. You know, they'd sit with me while I fed him and... I remember one of the nurses one day saying to me, he knows who you are. And me just being, just saying, he, what do you mean? Of course he doesn't know who I am. And she said, you haven't noticed it, but when you come into the room, his eyes light up. And it was that kind of, you know, um, positive sort of input that I just didn't have. I hadn't seen that he did that. And that, things like that, you know, really helped. Do you think, in a sense, that's also part of the therapy, that yeah. was therapeutic? Yeah, definitely. Because in a way, you'd suffered a loss of confidence as a mum. Yeah. And, and the unit helped rebuild that, is Absolutely. that right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So in other words, if you'd been removed from the baby, it would have been more difficult to rebuild your confidence. Yeah, I've thought about that a few times, actually, and think, I don't quite know. It definitely would have taken a lot longer. Um, and I think I'd always feel that I'd missed out. I mean, I kind of do feel that I missed out in a way, but, but realistically, I was with him all the time. 
Um, and I do think that's important, yeah. What's happened since? Um, when I was, when I started coming home, uh, there was an amazing midwife um, who I met who specialised in postnatal depression. And uh, she saw me once on the ward and then gave me her mobile number. And there were a few times that I called her when I just didn't know what to do and she always turned up and just, she was just completely amazing. Um, and uh, she arranged for me to have some Home Start volunteers. So I had two women, one diff a different one every morning, would come in from nine till 12. Because Neil was leaving at a, you know, sort of 6.30 in the morning or something insane. Um, and they would come in and basically just help me get the baby up, get him dressed, you know, change his cot, do the washing, just encourage me to keep going. And when I was having a bad morning, then they'd literally just take over and keep talking to me. Um, and as I got better, uh, we talked through some scenarios like I, needed, I wanted to get used to taking him to the park and have the confidence to do that. And I wanted to take him on the bus and I wanted to... And so they literally just supported me and came with me. Um, I think I had them for about six months. And again, they were worth their weight in gold. My husband, they, by the time they left, it was only a few hours till my husband came home. So it kind of broke up a day and, yeah. What about the Association for Postnatal Illness and, and your contact with them? Yeah, um, that was part of it as well. I, uh, through the midwife, she said, there's this association, you should give them a call. And I did, and I had a uh, telephone volunteer um, whose name was Laura, who I think her little boy was about three at the time, so she was a couple of years ahead of me. And she just understood, and she'd just call, and I had her number, I could call her. But I think it was a Wednesday, we just got, spoke every Wednesday. And uh, she just told me all about her experience, how it had been for her, which sounded pretty similar. Um, and about where she was now, which was with a three-year-old racing around and I could hear him in the background. Um, and she was just saying, you know, it really, really does get better. And I think hearing from somebody that has been through it uh, and, and you see them coming out the other side, that gives you hope. <laughs> you mentioned going to a group yeah. as well. Yeah. Tell uh, us a bit about that. That was a postnatal depression group at the local sort of community centre. Um, there were four of us the first week, and the next week there was only me and this other lady. Um, and then unfortunately, after the third week, they disbanded it because it was just me and her. Nobody else had continued to turn up. So luckily, we stayed friends and we kind of had our own little thing in coffee shops <laughs> instead. How important um, has the association been uh, for you? I mean, what, what about the fact that it actually is an association and therefore that must mean that lots of mums mm. have been through something similar to you and therefore uh, you, you won't feel you're the only one on the planet yeah. having gone through this? No, I think that's really important. Um, I really like the way it can be, you know, you can actually phone somebody who's been through it rather than just talking to experts and doctors and it, you can just speak to another mum that's a bit ahead of you. Uh, that was really beneficial. I used to really look forward to talking to her and I could tell her all the things that my husband, I was too scared to tell my husband, you know, if I was feeling low, I was so frightened to tell him in case they whisked me off into hospital again. Um, and I just took it through with her and yeah, it was great. Um, looking back on this, what was your lowest moment? 
I think heading into hospital um, in the ambulance. That's why it's that's why it's in my head. Just uh, yeah, that's when I realised that this was out of control. Yeah. Was that frightening? Yes. Did you think you weren't going to get out again? What was frightening about it? Yeah, I think there was an element of that. You know, it's a it's a psych, psychiatric unit, and just the term psychiatric unit is kind of pretty spooky and frightening. And as I say, I remember being having my what they call I don't know intake interview or whatever, where they and me just thinking they're just thinking this is this is really happening. This is not good. <laughs> was the unit very different from how you imagined it to be? I don't think I'd ever imagined it to be, but it was. I think the nurses, well, I know the nurses actually really enjoyed working on it. Um, you know, they got to play with babies and support mums and, and see a, I'm, I'm imagining, a relatively quick turnaround for most of us because of the intensive nature of the couple of weeks in there. There may be a mum listening to this who is wondering um, if she's not coping mm. and feeling low as well. What would your message to her be? I think if you're wondering that you're not coping, then you're probably right and you need some support. Um, and I've recommended over the years, you know, the APNI to um, several mums, several mums, another one just recently actually, um, and just said, you know, try and reach out. Because the doctors don't always get it. You know, I've had good doctors and I've had bad doctors. Some of them really have a handle on it, but some of them just, you know, completely don't understand. So you can't rely, I don't think that. And Abney's also quite good at sort of suggesting what resources are out there. So. Did you meet a psychiatrist on your journey? I did, yes. I and did. what was that experience like? Um, he was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> um, I was really fortunate. Uh, he was working for the NHS when I got him, but he then moved into private practice quite quickly. Um, and we actually carried on paying for me to see him in the private sector because he was just, just phenomenal. Um, and I had another baby. He saw me through each pregnancy. I've had three babies. And we stuck with him each time. And he sort of put me on a low dose of antidepressants and managed me afterwards. And, just, and it was just brilliant. Each pregnancy has got better. When, and the last one I didn't have PND at all. So, uh, PND being postnatal depression. Postnatal depression, yes. Yeah, that, that's quite an important point because a lot of mums who've been through what you've been through, particularly with the first child or the first delivery, are put off having another one because they don't yeah. want to go through it again and it crosses their mind not to have another baby. Yeah. What would your message to them yeah, be? Yeah, I was exactly the same. I was never having another one. Um, and then it got to about three years after Joe was born um, and I just was frantic. I did not want him to be an only child. Um, and I had a session where I did the, the birth experience kind of trauma counselling thing um, and talked it all through and that helped a lot. Uh, and I think coupled with, the, with my psychiatrist who assured me that we could do this and we would plan it and there would be no sort of shock element, no emergency C-section. We planned for an elective C-section. We had it completely planned out. Um, and he said the sense of control will help you, you know, that... Um, and he was damned right. It was just so different. So different. How crucial was it, and I appreciate this may seem like a leading question given I'm a psychiatrist, <laughs> how crucial was it, so feel free to be brutally honest either way on this one, but, I mean, how crucial was it 
um, that you had a psychiatrist. Um, some people think this can be managed with a, what's called a multidisciplinary team and you don't need a psychiatrist. But what, what are your thoughts about that? I think it probably depends on the depths of the depression and how developed it is. As in, if, you start, if somebody had been supporting me from the first couple of weeks, then maybe I wouldn't have needed so much intervention. But for myself, I was really not in a good way and I needed medication. And uh, the psychiatrist, you know, was a bit of a master with his <laughs> concoctions and managed to get me feeling, you know, still feeling like myself, but just coping. So looking back on all of these things that have happened to you, do you feel it's changed you in some way? Are you a different person as a result of these experiences? And in what way are you a different person? Um, am I a different person? I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I think it taught me to uh, look after myself better, shall we say, especially when pregnant, especially when, you know, newly delivered, as it were. Um, I had a couple of uh, people say things to me, one of which was, um, you know, when you're a mum, despite the despite the fact that it feels wrong, you have to treat it like you're on an airplane and the oxygen, you know, masks have come down. So this is the first person you have to fit, do, fit is your own. You can't help your child if you haven't. And she just said to me, it's the same with motherhood. If you're not in a good place, then the, you can't look after the child. And I think, I think that's a really big, big, big part of it that's not quite understood. Louise, thank you very much indeed.